Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Who's up there? Cougar and Merlin and Maverick and Goose. Great. Maverick and Goose. Maverick. It's not your flying. It's your attitude. The enemy's dangerous. But right now you're worse than the enemy. You're dangerous and foolish. You may not like the guys flying with you. They may not like you. Whose side are you on? Yeah, it's Action Movie Rewind Friday here. It's a loaded Friday show on Mackie and Judd, and we're going to dive in to Top Gun later in this episode. And egregiously, I have never seen it until this week. Me neither. Declan so, has never seen it two until thirds this of week. Us. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't have any excuses. We'll get to it. But this we'll is going to be it. amazing. Uh, also, Judd's keys to a Vikings victory, and we'll break down some Twins action, even though they didn't play last night. Uh, some meaningful things happened that pertain to the Twins last night, but... A quick word about Federated Mutual Insurance Company. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Make sure you follow Federated on Twitter as well, at Federated INS. Great content for your business on all aspects of business protection. At Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. You know, giving ourselves a chance to stay on the field for 70, 75 plays instead of 50 football plays, I think it's going to make us a much better offensive football team and help our football team. So that's a point of emphasis. And to do that, you just got to play better. You know, I got to coach better and, and uh, we got to do a better job. So. That's what we're trying to do. You know, it's hard to play from back there in the hole, but we got to find find a way to, to get the ball out when we're, we're in that situation and stay on the field. And, you know, if we can do that, uh, you know, we're going to play a lot better. So hopefully the script changes this week and we can be much more consistent as a offensive football team. Gary Kubiak, Vikings offensive coordinator, Vikings Titans this weekend. And if the season isn't already sort of in the tank, well, they better win this weekend because there's a lot of 0-2 evidence. Even with, a, I will say that like a lot of this 0-2, you know, percentage chance that you can make the playoffs, those statistics, those those will change now that there's a seventh playoff team. But, um, but uh, we'll we'll go through it. And also, Purple Daily, you can find us five days a week, and also two episodes on the weekends during the football season. And Vikings Vent Line right after the game is over. On Score North Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. So uh, that's what's on the menu here. But Judd Zolgad, 
Yes, sir. Has Keys even shown his face this week after he, what has happened the first two weeks? Keys is mortified and, and actively shopping his services to different stations and teams. You don't say. He's talked to the Bears. He's talked to the Packers, of course. Wow. Uh, Bears he, are two and zero. Oh. Yeah. He called the Patriots. I didn't realize the Cardinals. He, you, Keys and Belichick are buddies. Are you saying Keys? I didn't realize that. Is thinking about being with the Boom? He's been talking to other stations. Yeah, Keys. Wow. Is, Oh, Keys is um, mercenary. Wow. Oh, he doesn't. Keys never cared about this us. Isn't, this I, isn't Detroit, Keys. This is, know, I could this actually see well, actually Keys. Actually, talk to Detroit. Listen, the afternoon drive slot on the score in Chicago is wide open right now. Uh, they just fired a guy. Could it? Could it be? Could it be Keys in afternoon drive? Keys to a Bears victory. Let me tell you right. On the score. Let in me Chicago? tell you this right now. And, and this comes third hand, okay? But I got a text a couple days ago, and I didn't want to upset. You guys, but I'll tell you now. I got a text a couple days ago saying he's as good as gone. Oh wow! Oh no! Yeah, that's talk, all. You, I don't know anything else. You talked to somebody close to Keys? Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it was a third party and said Keys oh, is yeah. as good as gone. But anyway, oh, Keys is Keys did get me after negotiations fell through. Keys did get me a list here of uh, of keys to Sunday's game. All right, how many keys did Keys bring? Uh, much like last week, he is uh, going with four. He okay. will. He will four. up it. He will up it back to um, five if and when the Vikings, in his opinion, well, if he's still here, and if and when they deserve such of uh, accolades as to have all right five of them. So these are Judd's keys to a Vikings win over the Tennessee Titans. All right, so uh, the Vikings zero and two. Some of this uh, from Keys looks like it's a little bit like last week, but that's not surprising because the Vikings have stunk so far. So these are pretty simple things that they must improve upon and or do on Sunday in front of no fans against the Titans at U.S. Bank Stadium. Key number four. So I will work my way up. <clears throat> Get him cooking. Yeah, that's right. Wow. The Jacksonville Jaguars ran for 165 yards, averaging 6.1 yards per carry against the Tennessee Titans last week, okay? So clearly the Titans' run defense leaves something to be desired. So far in two games, Dalvin Cook has 26 carries for 113 yards, and he has caught caught three passes for a grand total of six yards. Yeah. So I would say, so as Coop sort of like goes through, well, I'm not doing enough for Kirk, and Kirk, and I got to do more for Kirk, um, we probably think of that more as the passing game because that's Kirk's forte, obviously, as the quarterback of the team. But really, it's not just the passing game. It is the running game, and it is also the short passing game, which we will get to as well. But this should not be, but you just paid Dalvin Cook a large amount of money to be a star player. You did not pay him a large amount to have uh, an average of 13 carries per game through two games and three catches. Get him cooking. I like where you're going with this. Um, I think sometimes it's funny when like an offense is sputtering and oftentimes the first thing that you hear, like whether it's from the fan base or whatever is why aren't they throw like, why don't they throw more screen passes? Right. It's always one of the first complaints. Like my team doesn't throw enough screen passes. Uh, but legitimately, I would say you should probably throw some screens, like get, I, or whatever it, whatever it takes to just right. start whatever whatever your game planning is. Who are your most impactful weapons on offense? To me, it's Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and probably some sort of a tie between Justin Jefferson. I I, I like what I've seen in limited you know 
yeah. targets so far. And Irv Smith, they tried to get the ball to Irv Smith last week. He had five targets. One was almost a pick six. So they did try to make an effort to get the ball to Irv Smith, but just the timing was off and there was a bad throw in there. Um, but whatever you have to do to get the ball to Thielen and Dalvin Cook and then some of these secondary weapons would be a good idea. So, all right, Judd's third key. Key number three. Key number three that he gave me was very, very simple. Time to earn your keep. And yes, we are talking to Kirk Cousins. Mm. All right. I feel like we are again going to go into this. How much can we blame Kirk? Can we really blame Kirk? The offensive line's not good. Can we blame Kirk? Can we blame Kirk? I mean, the offense is struggling, but can we blame Kirk? It's Gary's fault. Gary just admitted today that it's his fault or yesterday. Um, all right. That's a conversation, but absolution's not coming. Absolution is not possible. When you pay a guy this much, like, think about this. Think about what Kirk's salary is and what the expectations for Kirk are. And then think about the quarterbacks who are probably in the same boat. Do you see them being like, <laughs> well, the offensive line's not very good, so I guess I can't do it. Um, Kirk Cousins in the first two games, all right, he is he has a QBR that's 31st. 31st, there's 32 teams in the National Football League. It's 31.2. <laughs> he is currently, I believe his passer rating against the Colts was 15.9 or something like that. He is currently last in the National Football League with a passer rating of 61.9. He has what? Uh, four picks through two games. He had six last year, all the whole exactly. Season. He is near. He he is. I think he is tied currently for atop the league, which is not a good thing in picks. Um, earn your keep. And here's the thing: your team might lose. Like the defense might just stink. Okay. But you got to pass the eye test. You have to. It's it's not an option here. And and if everything breaks down around you, you still have to pass the eye test. And you haven't yet. So I can see having conversations about where the Vikings are. I can see having long conversations about the fact that the defense appears to not be good for the first time under Zim. But the quarterback has to pass the eye test. And he's not coming close. And you can't possibly really think that you can say... Well, yeah, but just not his fault. It's also worth noting, so there's a couple different conflicting pieces of evidence here when it comes to the offensive line and how much to blame Kirk versus offensive line for for just the mediocre passing so far. Uh, Declan found a stat. Where was it from? The time to throw stat. Uh, Next Gen. Next Gen stats. stats, He's had the third longest time to throw behind only, was it Deshaun Watson? Uh, It was Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Okay. So he's... He's had over three seconds on average to throw. Now, some of that is like he has made a couple decent plays with his legs to get out and get in space. Um, But for the most part, unlike, let's say, Lamar Jackson, who might create his own time to throw by just moving away from pressure, Kirk generally needs the offensive line to give him time to throw. And they've done that, at least according to next-gen stats. Now, pro football focus has the Vikings offensive line from a pass-blocking perspective in the bottom third of the league. So... I mean, it's only two games. There's some conflicting evidence there. But in general, I would agree with you in that. Well, actually, I agree with you in that it's time to earn your keep. I like the headline there, Keys. That's very good. No, he's worked hard at it. But I think there's another there's another train of thought here. I was watching, I think it was after week one, and Baker Mayfield was just a disaster in week one, and it was more of the same, and people were ripping him for being on all these commercials all Sunday, but you know, can't complete a pass. <laughs> and they're debating this on Get Up with our friend Greeny on ESPN. Ryan Clark comes on. 
I love Ryan Clark. Yeah, he's great. He's awesome. And uh, he comes on and they're talking about like, you know, Baker Mayfield, what's the matter with him? And like, why this, why that? He's got these weapons. Is there friction between him, him, him and OBJ? And Ryan Clark gets on and says, this isn't Baker Mayfield's fault. This is our fault. Because we are the ones that pumped Baker Mayfield's tires and value. And he was a top pick. And he's not good enough to perform at the level that we expect from that position. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to us to change our expectations for Baker Mayfield. So we're sort of stuck here in that, yeah, like Kirk Cousins isn't Russell Wilson. He isn't Aaron Rodgers. He isn't Lamar Jackson. And so is it fair Is it fair to judge him based on how much money he makes or should we judge him based on what his actual upside is as a player? If you are going to do that, though, then you've basically it's imperative that you call for Spielman to be fired because mm-hmm. the money he makes then becomes a massive, massive problem. Yeah. And, and, and... And I'm not even saying that you have to do this, but if this is the train of thought, if you're going to go down that path, if a general manager so misjudged the quarterback's ability that when times get tough to lead and to actually, again, not saying he's got to win, but pass the eye test, play well. If he, if Rick can't do that, then Rick can't work in this league. Like that's the problem. Baker Mayfield's not paid yet, right? <laughs> not yet. Not so, yet. so, but, and so I'm willing to go down the. Well, well, you know what? Might not work. Path. But it, this, as soon as you write that check, as soon as you say, you know what? We are committed to you. You are the guy. 66 mil in Marchville for yeah. two more years. Then then the blame has to go somewhere. It's the and It's, it's got to go somewhere. And it's not the first check. I'm okay with the first check. The check from three years ago. I'm, I tend I'm, to agree I'm okay with, you with that this. check. Yeah. Or, or two years ago. I tend to agree. Uh, I'm, I am not okay with the second check. Even though it I think was that's, partially a restructure that's fair. or whatever. So, all right, key number two as we count down. Key, no, keys. key number two. Let's see. This is good, Keys. Very, very good. I'm going to miss you when you're at the score in Chicago. Or not. It's Parkins and Keys afternoons <laughs> on the score in Chicago. Keys doesn't talk and he's drunk again. Um, yeah, yeah, Keys, you can't, you can't handle the pressure of Chicago. You, you, just, you just dried out. Uh, key number two. Keys and the Mad Dog weekdays. Oh, can you imagine? Good can you imagine? Everybody. Can you imagine Keys good at WFAN? Afternoon, Keys. Ah, let me, yeah, love me. Okay, go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, what? What do you think about that team? Go. <laughs> key number two. Hard pass. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. So you, I don't know if you guys have gandered at the Vikings injury report this week yeah, yet. Yeah, it's um, it's but, all cornerbacks. But when it comes to the cornerbacks. <laughs> Mike Hughes has not practiced, and I'm sure will not play because he's got a neck injury, which we haven't heard exactly what it is, but go back to the end of last year, and he suffered a broken vertebrae. And so if it's the neck, uh, he might not play for a while. So let's just say he's going to be out on Sunday. Um, Cam Dantzler continues to be out because of a rib injury that he suffered against the Packers. He has not practiced. He, He didn't play last week, and he's not practiced again this week, and so I'm assuming he's out. So... Ryan Tannehill, who's turned himself, it looks like, into a good yeah. quarterback. Damn good. Yes. Six touchdown passes and no picks so far this season. It's going to be facing a secondary cornerback-wise that includes Jeff Gladney, first-round pick, but but in fairness, very much a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Maybe not 100%. Holton Hill. Yeah. And some combination of Harrison Hand and or Mark Fields the second because yesterday's injury report uh, had Chris Boyd, who hadn't played yet, I don't think, in a game at corner this season, but was next man up on the depth chart. He must have hurt his hamstring at Wednesday's practice. So long story short, you're either going to be playing with 
a slowed Chris Boyd, and a full-speed Chris Boyd is probably questionable, or you're going to be playing with Harrison Hand or Mark Fields II, and I'm willing to bet if you went out on the street and surveyed just casual Viking fan and said, Mark Fields II, does he live next door to you or play corner for the Vikings? You'd get a lot of people being like... I'm sure he lives next door, right? Harrison Hand sounds like a made-up movie football player. Sounds name. like an action movie guy, or an action movie. It's perfect it. for Fridays, yeah. gentlemen. But it, it almost sounds like a, like a like a player that was discussed by Kevin Costner in Draft Day or something, <laughs> right? As the number one pick, yeah, it's it's a problem. <laughs> oh God, for sure. Um, the Vikings so far, this is this is beautiful. Pro, pro Football Focus is just uh, they're not very high on the Vikings. All right, let's just put it that way. The Vikings in coverage so far this season, actually, surprisingly, they're only sixth, sixth worst, but there's a lot of bad grades. There's a lot of, a lot of teams are struggling in coverage this year, and I think part of it's just because that's a position that really requires getting integrated into the full speed of the NFL and to just jump into week one not having played football in like nine months is really tough. Uh, but the Vikings so far this season have a 47.1 pro football focus grade in coverage on a 1 to 100 scale. So think about it like a real life Madden rating, a 47.1, which is god awful. The Los Angeles, I'm sorry, the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are the worst coverage team, but they're 2 and 0. So they've been able to score enough points. Oh boy. Linebackers yeah. are a mess, right? Complete mess there. Yeah, it's they just uh, signed a, a guy who played for the Broncos yesterday. This it, it's is kind of to the good. point like going into the year even though they were they were young at certain positions, cornerback, and they were integrating new players, and they were shorthanded, you know, defensive tackle. You kind of thought Mike Zimmer, of all coaches, like Mike Zimmer might be able to scheme around this a little bit. Not not to create, you know, the 1985 Bears defense, but he might be able to scheme this into, like, a top 10 defense. I think we're beyond that point with the injuries now. Like, there's just no way. It, with Daniil Hunter out and with Anthony Barr out, and now you're down to Harrison Hand at the cornerback. Like, you, you can't <laughs> no scheme Pierce. this. No Pierce? Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's 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 hard to even blame Zimmer uh, in terms of just like what he'll be able to do or not do. All right. Key number one for a Vikings win over the Titans. Key number one, because he cares about the young keys, says, think of the kids because you got to play the kids. And I'm and I'm not just talking about on defense where you've been forced to play a guy like Gladney. But more importantly, Justin Jefferson has to get the ball way more. Like, this can't be, this can't be Cousins drops back. Where's my best buddy Adam at? I'm going to look for Adam Thielen the entire day. Which, by the way, um, so here's where here's where I think that there's some uh, fly in the ointment of Kubiak taking total blame. Don't you guys think that Gary Kubiak doesn't get in a room with Kirk and say, Hey, Kirk, come here. What's up, Gary? I only want you to look for number 19. That's our little secret. They know Thielen is going to be bracketed, double-covered, right? There is no way on God's green earth that a coordinator is going to, a veteran one is going to say, only look for one guy. So let's start with Jefferson, all right? Let's think of the kids. Let's think of the children. Let's get them involved. Let's, Let's incorporate them into the fun. Let's invite them to the Sunday afternoon picnic, all right? Like you have to anyways. They're there. They're showing up. Whether you like that or not, it is just time to fully immerse yourself in any young players I think that you possibly can because there's no downside to getting them the experience. What? Oh, my God. It might cost us the seventh playoff seed. Okay, that's cool. I don't care. (laughs) 
So anyway, think of the kids often. And you're not going to have a choice. No, right? I know. But like Jefferson, you've got to he's got to be incorporated as fully as you possibly can. Yeah. And it, by the way, like, again, which will help feeling. It's a small sample size alert here. But I test in the first couple games and a couple of those catches, I think, were garbage time last week. But he looks the part to me. I don't disagree. It just and, he do, it, he looks more the part than Laquan Treadwell did when you first saw him. And it was like, OK, but that was also slow. him behind Stefan Diggs and feeling right and mm-hmm. so it was sort of like well treadwell doesn't look th- that that good and guess what it's not good but you really don't care that much this one you care about yep he's the i mean the number two wide receiver spot is wide open right now i know bc johnson technically is your number two wide receiver but you know like bc johnson's not odell beckham jr he's he's fine like he's a he's a good rotational receiver justin jefferson has a much higher ceiling so i think uh forcing the issue there would be a good idea keys nice job Great work. If this is the Good last time that Keys is part of get off Vikings phone. Keys to a win. Oh, would you quit? You're, you're really going to Green Bay? No, he's bluffing. Him trying to Keys leverage this station is just so upsetting Classic. because we've been friends for so long. Keys is bluffing. He'll be back for the Texans game for sure. Keys to stopping Deshaun Watson don't, next week. Don't flip Phil off. That's not nice. <laughs> That's not nice, Keys. We, we don't do that. Uh, all right, Keys. Have a good weekend. <laughs> yep, bye. Enjoy watching Red Zone Channel. We... We appreciate it. Um, Corona Heart Seltzer has been uh, busy organizing behind the scenes and uh, and cobbling together a really fun, cool package. We're calling it the Corona Hard Seltzer Ultimate Home Tailgate Party. And it is free to register to win a 65-inch TCL TV with a soundbar, $200 worth of Grunhofer's Meats, and $100 to MGM Wine and Spirits, where you could maybe buy some Corona Hard Seltzer if you want to. And you can enter in one of two ways. Just go to scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com, and click on the rewards tab at the top of the page, and you'll see you'll see the contest right there. And uh, the other way to enter is to download the Scornorth app. It's free in the Apple and Google Play stores. You can just register your name and email in the Scornorth app. Make sure we know who you are. And uh, enter your uh, credit card. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, but enter through listener rewards. And uh, boom, that's how you can enter to win the Corona Hard Seltzer Ultimate Home Tailgate Party. Thanks to all of our uh, great sponsors, Grunhoffers, MGM Wine and Spirits, TCL TVs. So, all right, Keys, great stuff. Awesome. He left already. Do you guys want to get into just a couple Twins things? I know they didn't play last night, so we're not going to break down a Twins game like it's a football game. They they didn't play, but there was movement. Yes. Um, Including the White Sox, absolutely gagging. Nice job. Nice job, White Sox. Um, Classic. Renteria, I believe, will not be in the dugout on opening day 2021. Well, okay. Really? Look, look, I don't know if I agree with that. There's That's a lot a, of people very upset with his. And eh, not really. He's sort of a hold the fort guy. It wouldn't shock me, but let's unpack a couple things here real quick. So the most important thing is that the Twins are still in first place. They are in first place by a game now over the White Sox, and they have to remain a game in front of the White Sox because the White Sox own the divisional tiebreaker. Still, I believe yes. they do, right? Even though they got swept by Cleveland. I believe you are correct. And they have, the, so the tiebreaker goes head-to-head with the Twins and the White Sox. If it's a, if it's a one-to-one tiebreaker, it's head-to-head. And uh, the Twins and the White Sox are, are both 5-5 five and five against each other. So the next, the next one is division record, and the White Sox have a better division record because they went like 18-2 and two against the... Royals and the Tigers. Mm-hmm. So the, they are like 18 and 2 against the Royals and the Tigers, and they are 16 and 21 against the rest of the league, which tells me that the, it's not that the White Sox aren't legit. That's a great offense. They've got some great top end pitching, and they have a great closer, but they're mostly feasting on these two crappy teams. And then when they face real teams, it's more of a fight. 
and even average teams, it's more of a fight. So to me, it just shows you that they're probably more like a year away from being actually relevant. They probably need a couple more relievers and maybe a different manager. Yeah. But that's still not a team I would really seek to play in the playoffs because they could score eight runs oh, yeah, on yeah, you and just yeah. end no, your time. I, I, I just think that Renteria is the type of guy who probably struggles a little bit with pitching changes. He brought in what uh, Rondon last night and it completely blew up and there, I guess, was not a compelling case to make the change. I just believe that with where the White Sox are going, which could be an extremely competitive team and very good in 2021 uh, that you might want to upgrade the managerial position just a bit. The Yankees also lost last night. And so the, here's where the twins stand right now. If the playoffs started today, the twins would be the two seed in the American league. They are two games behind the Rays for the top seed. So they're, they're probably not going to get the top seed, but if the playoffs started today, they would actually play a three game series at target field against the Cleveland Indians. So you really want that three seed. <laughs> If you the can three, get to that the, yeah. three seed, you really want that three seed, don't you? The three you want the three seed, but you also don't want to risk not getting like you don't want to risk tumbling down. The good news though is the Twins have basically clinched home field Correct. in the first round, right? Yes. Have they actually mathematically clinched it? They're three games up. They on can't New York. fall behind the Yankees now. Yep. Yeah, the Twins are three games up on the Yankees. So yes. they're, they're 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 in no danger so I, of not playing a home series. Yes. And so the what what could happen is. The Twins could could stand pat at the two seed, and then they would play Cleveland because Cleveland's locked into the seven seed. Mm-hmm. The six, seven, and eight are locked. Houston's locked as the six. Um, I guess the only thing that could happen is I believe the Angels could still catch Houston. They're like three back or something like that. They're three back in the win column because it's Houston twenty nine wins, L A Angels twenty six wins, and in the loss column, let me yeah. do it. They're, they're three back as well. So it's let's just let's just say that that unlikely scenario doesn't happen. Houston's locked as the six. Cleveland's yep. locked as the seven. Toronto's locked as the eight. So of those three, which would you rather play? Well, I'd rather play Houston. It's not even close. Because they're the worst of those three teams. The two hitters who were their best hitters don't know what pitchers are coming and have been garbage hitters this season. I won't sit here. Justin Verlander's out for the year. So if you could, so what you need is the Twins are one. They're a, they're a half game up on Oakland. I'm assuming Oakland plays a doubleheader. They must play four games this weekend or something. They're a half game up on Oakland. Mm-hmm. And they're a full game up on the White Sox for the four. Um, so a million things could still happen here. But I think the best case would be if Oakland passed the Twins and the Twins won the division still and stayed ahead of the White Sox. Yes. And they and got, got settled Houston. into the three seed. I'm here, for, I'm here for the chirping at that Astros dugout. I can't wait. Amazing. So How um, fun football. is this whole thing? Though? Just like it's completely it's crazy, but it's great fun to watch. It's very chaotic, yes. But I, I love it. The chaos my, is fantastic. My tweak here, I stand by the format that I threw at you guys right when the season was starting. So I love the expanded playoffs. I would reduce to seven playoff teams, and I would look to reward. Because right now, there's really there's very little reward between the one and the eight seed. Mm-hmm. Like Your reward is sort of, well, you get to play the crapshoot three-game series at home. Like, that's the reward. Right. And it's not a huge reward because home field advantage, it matters in baseball, but it doesn't matter as much as it does in football or basketball or even hockey to some extent. Um, what I would do is I would cut the eighth playoff team out, and I would have seven playoff teams, three division champions, and they are rewarded by going straight to a five-game divisional round series. So they get a bye. They all get a bye. Okay. The other four teams... Are entered into a wild card playoff, so it's like wild card week in Major League Baseball, and it would be it would be those four teams, the four through seven seeds, in a four team tournament, and the winner of that 
and I'll explain this in a second, the winner of that four-team tournament becomes the wild card winner. You win the wild card mini tournament, and then you enter the divisional round as the four seed against the one seed. Mm-hmm. And so I would then have wild card one and two and wild card three and four. Wild card one and two would have to win one game oh, against their opponent. Yep. The lower seed wild NBA. card teams would have to win two games. Uh, college, college baseball. Exactly. Similar okay. college baseball. Yep. I just want to be able to rule. I don't want yep. a team that finishes 500 in the same bin as a wild card team that wins 100 games. by record then, too? Yes. So in, instead I of... I see the wild cards by record. Right. Instead of oh, Division 2 or Division... Okay. Yep. So the division yep. winners, if you're if you're, if you're you're 82 and 80 and you win the division, I don't care. You're the you're a division winner, right? Yep. And if you're a 100-win wild card team, sorry, you didn't win your division. You're in the wild card playoff. But if I'm a 100-win wild card team and I'm the one seed in the yep. wild card playoff and the four the fourth wild card team is an 80-win team, I want the 100-win team to have some sort of an advantage over the 80-win team. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they enter a series. It's a mini-series. The 100-win team wins once, it's over. The 80-win team has to win twice to win that series. And then you move on to the next one. This would take like five or six days to complete. And so the next question, first of all, it would be super fun. Major League Baseball could coin it Wild Card Week, and it could just be like must-watch, do-or-die games uh, every single day for five or six days. And then you might wonder, well, what about the other teams that have to wait a week and get rusty? Well, you have to figure that out. If you want to do like a simulated game and bring in some of your minor league pitchers to throw, you know, seven inning games so your hitters stay sharp, but that's on you to figure I out. I like it. They won't do it because I, I think they're going to fall in love with absolutely as many teams playing as possible. Well, but I'm giving you seven. No, no, no. But I'm saying you start the playoffs and they're all playing. So I think that baseball is going to to for TV purposes embrace the top teams playing as quickly as possible now. Then what's the point of divisions though? Like what what like <laughs> what's that? I mean, yes, I agree with you. But like in the National League, I think look you're at this. right, but I I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure that they are going to like the fact that Fox gets the Yankees and teams like that immediately. In the National League, the Dodgers are a 41 team right now. So they're they're on pace to win like a hundred something games. The San Francisco Giants are the eight seed right now and they're twenty eight and twenty eight. And so they could conceivably be sub five hundred and play a first round series against the Dodgers and it's a three game crapshoot. Hey listen man, your sport like, has become hockey. And I'm okay with Welcome to the club. And here's the thing. I'm okay with crapshoots as long as as long as if you win a hundred games and win your division, you're not you're not you know, subjected to an immediate crapshoot. Welcome shoot, to my right? sport. Welcome well, to no, my but sport. But at least your sport plays a seven. Like your sports are crapshoot in seven games. Yeah, but I'm just saying. <laughs> in your philosophy now, these sports are going to be the exact same. So the A's play uh, four games this weekend against the Mariners, including a doubleheader on Saturday. The other thing to keep in mind that is interesting about Cleveland and the White Sox is the White Sox. I think are going to play host to the Cubs in three games, and the Cubs are awful right now. Like they just can't, they can't hit. But Cleveland gets three games against Pittsburgh, and let's see, uh, the White Sox have 34 wins, Cleveland has 33, the White Sox have 23 defeats, Cleveland has 24. So I think there's a chance then that Cleveland, if the if the Cubs start to play decent baseball, which I'm doubting at this point, but if they do, I think they could leapfrog the White Sox and dump the White Sox into that seven wild card. Boy. So, so the White things, Sox man. could come here if the Twins that's, finish yeah, second. That's a, so that's another scenario that we hadn't even talked about. So there is there there actually is a pretty good chance that the let's say the Twins win two out of three this weekend mm-hmm. and the A's don't catch them. Mm-hmm. I think two out of three probably solidifies the two seed unless the A's obviously sweep through. And if the Mariners they, are 
done now. So yep. If that happens and the White Sox continue to falter, then we're lining up for a White Sox Twins series. And I, I and so if you had to rank Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, White Sox, I'm going Houston, Toronto, White Sox. Cleveland would be my last choice just because Justin Bieber is ridiculous. I think that's and it's a game series. Shane Bieber. Sorry. Justin's ridiculous. It's too. Justin's talented. I mean, he's fine. Yeah. Justin's I'm more of a Shane guy. Canadian, though. More of a Shane big, guy. Ho- big hockey guy. More of a Shane guy. Have you guys seen the Justin Bieber guy. Netflix documentary? No, I haven't. No, and I won't be seeing it. I probably won't be either. Yeah, you guys are good. Good stuff. Um, it's a documentary. Okay, I won't be seeing okay. it. I won't be seeing it. The White Sox twins, though, could be great fun. Yeah. Like, that could be really, really fun. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's breaking down the twins like their football. And the next time we do so. Football. Hey, do, do, we, do we potentially get Bauer on Sunday then? Yes. Uh, Morosi tweeted out. Uh, Morosi and the guys are actually at Target Field this weekend because YouTube is broadcasting some of these games. Okay. Oh, they, and, they traveled. Yeah, and Morosi said they have a contingency plan of Bauer can start on normal rest on Sunday, I believe, and, but or they could throw Sonny on short rest on Sunday. Hmm. So they're debating how they want to do it. They have two guys locked in. Their, their back-end guys are pitching today and Saturday. And then they might throw Bauer or Sonny Gray on Sunday. Whoever probably doesn't throw obviously would start game one, assuming they wouldn't make the postseason. Here's what's amazing about the the playoff chase here. So there are right now three games, well, three days to go, I guess, in the regular season. There's some teams that play doubleheaders. Only four teams have clinched a playoff spot in the National League. (laughs) One, two, three, four. (laughs) Eight teams are still alive for four spots in the National League this weekend. Chaos, baby. So that in itself, think about how fun that is. Yeah, I know, I know. That's That's what I'm saying. That's awesome. Half the freaking league is playing for something this weekend. Well, but it's the, the, they're they're garbage teams. I don't know. It's fun, super fun. Yeah. Like hockey's this hockey and basketball are the same way. Oh, it's garbage. Um, well, I don't know. Like, the COVID that teams, Wolves Nuggets game from two years ago that was awesome. The the COVID teams both might make the playoffs. The Cardinals are the Go. five seed right now. Yeah, Marlins they're, they're are the very, six seed. They're probably gonna make the playoffs. They'd have to screw up pretty badly to, to oh, not make the playoffs. That was the key. Claim COVID. <laughs> nice long rest. Pretty good. Well, we started up on his six when he pulled through the clouds, and then I moved in above him. Well, if you were directly above him, how could you see him? Because I was inverted. <laughs> no, he was, man. It was a really great move. He was inverted. You were in a 4G inverted dive with the MiG-28? Yes, ma'am. At what range? No, about two meters. Well, it's actually about one and a half, I think. I've got a great Polaroid of it. He's, he's right there. Must be one of the pitch. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... You guys really are cowboys. What's your problem, Kazowski? You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Nice, man. I am dangerous. People say that about Judd all the time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm the shortest Tom Cruise, too. Zolgad. <laughs> all right. guy. This week's action movie rewind. And just for the for the record, if you're new to the segment, we have been reviewing action movies pretty much every week since the pandemic started. And we said, yeah, this is such a fun segment. And it is regularly one of our two most downloaded shows every single week. Thank you guys for uh, for helping us on the Mackie and Jeb podcast feed. That we're going to keep this around even during football season. And this week's action movie, I believe this is number 24 for us. The 1986 legendary classic, 
Top Gun. You! You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. Oh, you can be mine. And inexplicably, this is the first time I've ever seen this. I've, I've seen parts of it, like on TV and Can stuff. It's the first time this? I've ever seen this movie. I, I've, I've heard two. the lineage and I've heard the character names. Like I've heard of Goose and Iceman and Maverick, but I've never seen it either. All right. So on Declan, I'm not absolutely shocked. You're really young. There's a bunch wow. of films. There's a bunch of films that you have not seen. I'm a little bit surprised. With Mackie, I'm flat out. How on earth? And and this is this can't hold your Star Wars excuse because I get saying well, that does make that type sense. of film is not my type of film. I totally get that. Yeah, excited. Phil, Phil, this checks every Maconian box there is <laughs> on movies like this. But but I mean th- this. I would have thought that this was one of your first films that made you fall in love with the films that you like. Yeah. I honestly like I wish I could sit here and defend myself like I don't have any defense. I'm not looking for a defense. I'm just I'm floored. You're looking for reasons. Yeah. Like how could you not have seen or been (laughs) steered to and and it's not like it's super violent or or language would have caused a problem. But I love those things. too. Right. No, no. But I'm saying like let's say when you were eight or nine you could have seen this. Yeah I agree. Um, And I I don't really know what to say because I to, to make to make it worse. I love 80s culture. So I was born in 1985, so I didn't really like grow up. Like I guess I grew up in the 80s a little bit, but I'm a, I'm, right. a, I'm more of a 90s and an early 2000s kid. Right. And so you would think when you when you ask me like, so what's like your favorite movies and your favorite music and stuff? And like, soundtracks? Soundtracks. Like ordinarily it would be for someone born in 1985, it would be a lot of mid to late 90s stuff and early 2000s stuff, which I love that culture too. But 80s culture, I just always had a thing for 80s culture. I've always had a thing for Rocky movies and yeah. I've always had a thing for eighties wrestling and like all these things that we've talked about for years on our show, right? Yes. And these late eighties, early nineties sitcoms were all my favorites, like Full House and Family Matters, like all that stuff. It's my wheelhouse, man. I know. And I somehow have never seen Top Gun. I would have thought that that you that the nineties you would have worn out the soundtrack C D to Top Gun. The first CDs I ever had were like Monsters of Rock, like '80s hairband Bon Jovi, like yeah. those are the that's the music I listen to. And so, actually, like we'll get into all of this, but let's actually just tip our caps to the soundtrack of this movie, which I officially downloaded on Spotify last night. <laughs> Take my breath Dude, away. This is a. Okay, we don't need to sing it. Uh, this is a ridiculous oh, soundtrack. It's one of the like most revered and amazing soundtracks. Don had movie it. history. Bought it at the time. You had Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. You had you had a couple Kenny Loggins songs on here. You had so just the, even like the bands. Take my breath away. One, I believe, I believe it might have won an Oscar for best song. It won a ton of awards. Playing with the boys. You also had yeah Otis Redding making a comeback here, sitting on the dock of the bay. That, yeah, you had all this like Righteous Brothers. Yep. You've lost that love and feeling. Like all this old music that made a comeback. Mm-hmm. Lover Boy, Tina Marie, Cheap Trick. So the end credit song, yeah. Mighty Wings by Cheap Trick. Great song. Love Cheap Trick. And you also had uh, Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine in here, too. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's in a Carly Lewis, Great Balls of Fire when yep. Goose plays that yep. in the bar. So, all right, here's the summary. We'll set this up and then we'll do our usual deep dive into this movie. Yep. So, uh, the summary is the Top Gun Naval Fighter Weapons School 
is where the best of the best train to refine their elite flying skills. When hotshot fighter pilot Maverick, Tom Cruise, is sent to the school, his reckless attitude and cocky demeanor put him at odds with the other pilots, especially the cool and collected Iceman, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. But Maverick isn't only competing to be the top fighter pilot, he's also fighting for the attention of his beautiful flight instructor, Charlotte Blackwood. That's uh, Kelly McGillis. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, Kelly McGillis, Meg Ryan making an appearance. Oh, Meg Ryan. In this Love movie. me some Meg Ryan. Yep. Fifty-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fifteen million dollar budget turned into three hundred fifty-seven million dollars at the box office. That's how directors and producers get rich. Movies like Top Gun, Jerry Bruckheimer, Jerry Bruckheimer, um, IMDb added. So they take all the like the critical reviews. This, this was not a, this is not like a Roger Ebert special here. Uh, this is more of just a blockbuster fan favorite. And so IMDb says the website's critical consensus. Though it features some of the most memorable and electrifying aerial footage shot with an expert eye for action, Top Gun offers too little for non-adolescent viewers to chew on when its characters aren't in the air. Kind of craps on it, mm. which I say that's perfect for action movie rewind. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's it, fits, it fits the bill beyond belief. Yes. So uh, let's do our deep dive here, starting with Judd Zolgad. What is the thing that stood out most to you in Top Gun? Actually, it's going to be um, two things. Music one, because the soundtrack is, and I don't even like the entire soundtrack that much, but it's brilliant. Okay, like it's, it's just a, it's very it's a tip 80s, of the hat. Oh, it's yeah. a tip of the hat. You, they knew when to drop it in perfectly. Uh, the other thing that stands out is this: the film actually is not that long, and the ability to have basically continuous action and movement to me um, was. Fantastic. Like, name me, name me in your guys' minds a big lull in this film or like a lull where, where you're like, oh, there are oh boy, it's getting boring now. Or no. why? The why, right? My big thing is the, did you really need that scene? Like, just cut that scene out, right? I don't think Top Gun, and this is not saying it's brilliant uh, in how it was written, but it was brilliant in how it was executed, I think. Because I don't think I can say there there were a few scenes that you probably could have tightened up a little bit, but there was never a time where I sat on my couch and thought, "All right, just end this scene." Yeah. So what one thing you'll notice, like, and this is going to be me going very uh, highbrow thespian expert on you here. So the so Jer- <laughs> Jerry Bruckheimer is the producer here, and Jerry Bruckheimer is probably the most accomplished and prominent action movie blockbuster producer of our lives. Like he's, he's literally worth like a billion dollars based off of all, all these movies. And TV like, shows too. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I think he was behind CSI and Blue all this yes. stuff, right? Yes. And Tony Scott was sort of his right hand man. Tony Scott was the director of this movie. And he also directed movies like Beverly Hills cop Two, days of thunder, crimson tide, enemy of the state spy game, like all these huge movies. Um, he hasn't really done anything. I don't think is he still alive? I don't know. He hasn't done anything in like the last ten years. He is. Uh, he, he did die in 2012, which is why he hasn't done anything. Okay, that's tough when you're dead, right? That's gonna make it tough. And one thing you'll notice with these guys is, and like, go back and watch some of their movies. I just watched Enemy of the State last week, just on a Friday night. It was on. They rarely go more than like three to five seconds without a camera cut. And so, yep. like, like when you think back to Top Gun, especially like the action scenes the camera is cutting and jumping every one or two seconds. And so it just like, it's an edge of your seat movie 
in the plot, but it's also an edge of your seat movie in that like they're literally just like cut, 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 like it's frantic. And it, it, that's part of the reason why it doesn't feel like there's a lull because yeah. they, they don't sit there in a room like like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie and those are great too. love Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino movies are like there's like five scenes and they just, it's like these long drawn out scenes uh, and yeah. dialogue. These are the opposite. Like this is boom, 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 right. boom. And Top, it makes you feel like you're adrenaline. Top pumping. Gun knew its very purpose. Like there was no confusion about what are we doing here? Like oh yeah, what are we doing here? What's the uh, that yeah that line? Let's change that line, right? <laughs> like this film, they they went into production and they knew exactly like by the book yeah. how it was going to go, which I applaud completely because that's how you get a great action film. So here, just here's Bruckheimer's here's Bruckheimer's resume. All right, this is like just when you think about the style and the edge of your seat and the upbeat nature and how there's just no lulls, right? So uh, there's a bunch of, in the 70s and 80s, he had a bunch that you probably never heard of. But then he starts to pick up into the mainstream, and uh, movies like Flashdance come along in 1983. Beverly Hills Cop is a Bruckheimer movie. Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Days of Thunder. I'm skipping some here, but Bad Boys, Crimson Tide, The Rock, Con Air, Armageddon, (laughs) Enemy of the State, Gone in 60 Seconds, Remember the Titans, Pearl Harbor. Like, boom, boom, boom. Just high-speed action. So... I guess my main takeaway is that it, I just literally felt like I was in the plane for two hours. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's amazing when a movie can sort of make you feel that way. And uh, I'm glad that I watched it for the first time in 35 years. Dex, what was your main takeaway? I loved Goose. Goose was great. I'm a big Anthony Edwards guy. so I, I, you're, kinda, I, you're kind of a goose. Yeah, I am totally the co-pilot. I am totally your wingman. That is, that is my <laughs> role if I would ever be allowed in the military. Uh, I, I am not flying that plane necessarily. I will guide you. I will help you. Uh, I love the relationship between Maverick and Goose. They were, it was my favorite part. Yeah, like it, uh, it's sad when, it's, when it Goose tugged dies, at my heartstrings, man. man. It, was, it was tough. Really? Got a little yes. misty in the Mackey living room. I, yeah. Oh, wow. I did too. Didn't yeah, make man. me sad. Well, that's because you're a didn't bother you're a it, didn't bo- it didn't yeah. bother me one bit. Yeah, didn't bother me one bit. Class clown dies. Okay, I loved him. Which which character is Judd? Ooh, which one is Judd? Are you uh? Who's the other? No, he wouldn't be him. I was gonna say was who's he the other Wolf guy? Man? Was, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. I don't know Maybe if I'd be Wolf a fighter Man? pilot guy. I think I'd be an old guy. No, he'd be he'd be the old command. Remember the clip at the beginning we played? Ed Harris. Was like, who, yeah, you're Ed Harris. Ed Harris, who's is up great. there? Great. He's barely Mackie in the and film. Declan. He's barely in the film, and he's fantastic. Yeah, he is good. Tom Skerritt. Wait, Tom was, Skerritt is fan. Also, I love that guy. That was Ed Harris. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's in the start and the end, and that's it. Really? Yeah. They're all and everyone's sweating profusely sure. in that I submarine. <laughs> I was going to ask, <laughs> but 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 here's the weird sense, thing: they only put sweat on some people. It's like they. It's like if they're all going to sweat, have them sweat. But it's like character two uh, and three sweating profusely. Interesting. Character right? four and five not sweating. <laughs> it's very odd. Okay. What? Well, let me ask it this way. What would your fighter pilot name be? I have a couple for you guys. Okay. Go. Go ahead. Yeah, I've never thought about him. this. I never. I think Dex. So we. So we have Iceman. We've got Maverick. We've got Wolf or Wolfman or whatever. We've got Jester. We've got yep. all these names, right? Viper. I think there was. That's Tom Scarrett. Yep. Cougar. Cougar. Yeah, which is funny. I think Dex, I think you're Seltzer. Seltzer? <laughs> okay. Corona hard seltzer. Yeah, I get it. Don't drink while you're flying the plane. No, right? Well, yeah, no. You get the endorsement while yeah, you're maybe. on the plane. That's good. Maybe. Yeah, there's Dex right there. Love that. I think Judd, it's not, I think Judd's panic. Oh, God. Oh, God. The pl- <laughs> Something's wrong with the plane. Yeah. We can't get in the plane. 
Oh no! Boy, it's gonna hurt something. Eject! Just oh, eject! No. Trade these planes. <laughs> Just eject. Tank for new planes. When in doubt, seltzer and panic. Hit the eject button. <laughs> no. Um. All right. What else? Let's let's go into the let's let's start with the Maverick and Charlotte dynamic. Yeah. Okay. So this is uh this is Maverick when he and her, uh, Charlie is short. Her name yeah. is Charlotte, and they call her Charlie in this movie. Yep. All right. I'm Charlotte Blackwood. I'm Maverick. Maverick? Does your mother not like you or something? No, it's my call sign. <gasps> You're a pilot. That's right, a naval aviator. Uh, no, actually, we've only done this uh, twice. Oh, how'd you do? Crashed and burned on the first one. It wasn't pretty. And the second? I don't know. I'll tell you tomorrow, but it's looking good so far. <laughs> I love when they bring that back at the end of the movie and they just play the same the same deal. So uh, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like, maybe Declan can Declan can tell us because Declan's more immersed in dating culture than Judd and I are right now. But like, is that the way to get your gal just be super cocky and insufferably arrogant and then she'll just fall for you? And I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, that's not how I go about it. It might have been at the time. Um, yeah, seriously. I, I, I thought it was just Fire a pilot? weird... Weird relationship. I like at the beginning how she's like, oh, you're a fighter pilot. Tell him, even though she knows all about it. So she's like letting him tease her up about it, even though she knows as much about fighter pilots than he does. But the way he pursues her, this dude barely knows her and follows her into the bathroom. Did you guys notice that at the bar? Like yeah, five minutes cocky. in. But he's, pretty, su- pretty. but he's super cocky. Like, that's the whole shtick. All right. He's like super, super cocky. Obviously, things have changed as time progresses. But if, if someone who I just met, I would never, I don't care how bad I want her, I am not following her into the bathroom. But yeah. you're not that cocky. Also, the, the thing that he doesn't realize is, so she's in there doing her makeup. Sure. I mean, what if she had some spicy food before going to the bar? Yikes. What if well, she goes she's in the bathroom the, and she's, in the, she's stall. in the stall? And, and, that, that, then it's just trumpets. And and uh, oh. <laughs> then he just walks in and walks out. That's it. And and the fact that she just like falls in love with him two days later. I mean, I guess the charm works, yeah. but it was just kind of weird. And also, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna nitpick this just like I did with Roadhouse. The like when they you know when they get down and dirty. Their kissing scene is like the most uncomfortable thing. I think I'm just uncomfortable by kissing. It's scenes. like neither one of them has ever made out no. before. Did you guys? That's yeah, weird. It's like a lizard. He's just, you, like, just like just like just like like he's just like well, sticking they, out his bah, tongue. Bah. They were trying to shoot it in a different way too, which uh. which I didn't care about. Did you guys? Um, I didn't sense, and this would translate from McGillis and Cruz. I didn't really get the impression there was much chemistry there. Okay. Like, I didn't feel a lot of chemistry. Like, I got the storyline, and I just didn't care. But you know how on some films, the actors, there's a dynamic of, oh, there's chemistry here? I never really felt that there was a ton of chemistry between those two, and I, I just didn't care that much. I think part of it might be that Tom Cruise is an alien. Mm. No, I like, think you're right like, now in retrospect. Like, Tom Cruise, he's... You can, and now that we know he's like he's almost 60 years old, and we've seen him, you know, 35 years since this movie came out, and we know that he's Scientology guy, and he's he's jump on the couch guy, and you watch him in some of these movies, and he's just like he's so wired. It looks like he snorted the fifty yard line of cocaine before he gets into any scene. His eyes are bucking out. You're right. He's just like he brings this over the top crazy energy. Jerry Maguire, right? Like everything he does is just super high strung. And I don't know if you can like build chemistry with people that way. He, he just kind of he just kind of goes into the movie, and he's going to be Tom Cruise, the Force. 
and just like either hop on or get out of the way is sort of the vibe. So I don't know. I don't know that you're going to have like that's probably true. The, the chemistry that you I just would didn't have, sense you know? it. I didn't. You weren't feeling. I, it? I didn't really buy it. Are you blaming him or her? Or it just wasn't a match. I think it wasn't a match. Yeah, it just didn't seem natural, man. In retrospect, though, it probably was largely Cruz because I think your synopsis of Tom Cruise as a person is exactly right, which is which. It's good because the Maverick character actually fit his personality probably perfectly. It's just that when they tried to have the love scene or when those two were talking, I never thought to myself, I sure hope they kiss here because they seem like they should. I thought to myself, <laughs> you know what? Just he should just get get on his uh, his um, cycle and go home. I also kind of wondered, like, I'm OK, with that. OK, she is she's very attractive. She is a woman with a powerful job. She meets a lot of men in the work that she does. And like, so of all the men that she could meet either through the Naval Academy or of all the men that she could meet just in life, why is she choosing like this total arrogant? And I think most guys wonder that, right? Like I used to wonder that, like, am I just like too nice of a guy? Uh, yes. And like, the answer was yes, you were. I wonder how many guys watch this movie and a tried to like use some of the lines in the late eighties. Like how many guys, did the uh, like crash and burn line at a bar or tried to sing? And then how many guys were just like super cocky? Like I'm going to be Tom Cruise and I go to the bar and just like follow women into the bathroom <laughs> or tried to sing. I bet you a lot of guys tried to you sing never after that at bars. Yes, I bet you that became a thing. Uh, well, you were. I mean, Dex, Dex wasn't born, and I was like, I was 16 when, when, when the film came out. came out. So I was, I was pre, bars. I was pre bars at that point in time, okay. which is absolutely just fine. Has anyone? Can you remember in all the movies you guys have ever watched? Has anyone ever been cockier in a movie than Tom Cruise was in this movie? Is Ooh. this the cockiest anyone has ever been in a movie? Mm. I'm sure it's not, but I can't off the top of my head think of one. I think he takes the belt. I think he takes the... because even like. Like Daniel Craig and, and James Bond, it's not it's not really a cockiness because like he just like he has so much confidence, it's like uber confidence. Like he doesn't yeah. come off as cocky necessarily. Yeah, he comes off as just like supremely sure of himself. Yeah, and Tom cool. Cruise comes off as like overcompensating for some childhood issues <laughs> in this movie, or his character does, or maybe both. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what about the Maverick Iceman dynamic? What did you guys? If you guys had to side with one of them or 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 pick one of them, I didn't to- recall the the. Val Kilmer Iceman role was actually much smaller than I recalled it being. Like, he's in it, but he has minimal lines. He's yeah. basically in it three times to call Tom Cruise dangerous. Yes, and, right? and and I had recalled him as being more cocky himself, and he is cocky, but he's not, like, over-the-top arrogant cocky. Um, I'm honestly surprised that there wasn't more to it. In fact, I think, small knit here. I think in retrospect, it would have been more fun to have more byplay between Iceman and Maverick than Maverick and his girlfriend. Because Val Kilmer, man, is a super weird guy, too, but he's good. It would have been fun. And he's in it sort of just to sort of like straighten Maverick out or attempt to. But it's not like an in-depth role. Yeah, Um Val, and by the way, I remember the first time I ever like saw Val Kilmer in a movie when I was a kid was the, was when he was Batman, and he's mostly crapped oh. on for being the worst Batman. Yeah, it's not a good. I don't think he was as bad as people. Clooney was, was bad, right? Clooney was worse, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. he's gotten ripped think, for that. I role. think it was worse. Yeah, okay. they kind of they kind of did those one off Batmans, yeah. and then they landed on Christian Bale. Um, 
a lot of people just sort of reading some different just things on Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot about this movie. A lot of people point out just how often, whether it's the Maverick and Iceman scenes or just in general, how many scenes involve half naked men embracing each other and like having deep conversations wearing towels and like tidy whities <laughs> and tidy and extreme tidy whities. Man, Cruz was in those. In, yes, Cruz was a constant. Like it's like okay, put some shorts on, dude. Well, this is like Tom Cruise is like you know, pun intended. He's taking like his career. Risky business in the early 80s, like 1982 Which also or involved Tidy Whitey's. and Tidy Whitey's. Him yep. dancing. And this is him just taking off as one of the biggest movie stars, if not the biggest movie Absolutely. star in the world. Absolutely. Was was he, like, at this time, and you, like, again, you were alive and you, like, Tom Cruise was, after this movie came out, Tom Cruise was the biggest movie star in, in the world, right? Is there anybody else? I mean, there were guys, like, older, was, older guys that were right. kind of coming down No, he was there. huge by then, yes. Okay. And, and he was what? I think he was about 24, 25. Yeah. So at, at that point in time, he's still basically a kid. But yeah, this probably, that film, Top Gun probably put him over the top as far as establishing him as a hugely marketable action movie star. Yeah. That's probably fair to say. Uh, least favorite parts of this movie. Is there anything that you guys are like, ah, I don't know. A couple things. Okay. The volleyball scene. <laughs> we could have omitted the volleyball scene. I was thinking the same thing. Because it felt unnecessary. I've never so ladies, you guys. I, I, and I'm not trying to get like masculinity here, but I've never been like all my dudes. Let's go play some volleyball together and like also cheer on each other while we play volleyball in our jeans. By in the our way. jeans, well, wait, by the way. How about the last scene where where they come back and they're all jumping around the plane though, and it's just so like hokey. Yay, we won, we won. What do you mean? Like they're the, celebrating, they, but the they, whole they, film they took out enemy Migs. I know, but it's just, but but it's like it, those scenes were hokey, but they were actually funny too. But how would you go about? So, so you just took out some some enemy Migs. You just went through combat for the first time. Yeah, and by and you're by not and by the way, and by the way, your graduation party is interrupted to say you guys got to get to work, and the first thing you got to do is go. Aren't there available veteran pilots at that point? Yeah. <laughs> like, congratulations, enjoy that tenth glass of champagne, and now go get some mix. Also, it's it is great. The other gripe I, I loved have it. is who are the bogeys? Who are the okay. bad guys? Yeah, who are they? That's in my notes. The best part about that whole thing is. At that point in time, one statement to make. God, did we miss the Russians? Because that's so that's at the point in time where I think the Ruskies weren't as bad of guys. And that might be the first film where they just bailed and they're like, there are no bad guys right now. Okay. Like there's no real terrorists at that point in time, right? I was gonna save this till till toward the end here, but since you guys are bringing it up, <laughs> have you guys read about Declan's all right? Like the origins of this movie and why it came about? No. So this movie was propaganda. This this movie was U, was U.S. government and military propaganda. Okay. It was a joint project with the U.S. Naval Academy to improve the perception of the Navy post Vietnam. And I, I'm going to read you this right up from. Okay. I, I wish I could cite the website, but there's a million websites if you just Google this. So the late Cold War classic Top Gun is one of the most well liked military movies of all time. Its combination of romance, comedy, and never seen before aerial action was made possible by extensive support from the Department of Defense, particularly the U.S. Navy. It's credited with significantly boosting military recruitment, but it also had another mission. The Department of Defense's database on its collaborations with Hollywood says the film clearly portrayed the Navy in a very positive light. But it's the next comment that bothers this writer. 
The entry goes on. Film completed rehabilitation of the military's image, which had been savaged by the Vietnam War two decades, a uh, decade and a half prior. Interesting. Okay. Because Vietnam uh, yeah, it was a disaster. Was, was like less than 15 years before it had ended. Yep. Ended okay. 74s, right? And so how does it, wow. how do you guys feel like th- this type of oh. thing probably happens more often than we think where, and if you, if you go down the YouTube rabbit hole, by the way, if you want to go down like the QAnon rabbit hole, like there's way more where this came from, but. Um, but this actually didn't come from QAnon. Just to clarify, this is like this is like a well-known thing that that the United States military wanted to get. So the scenes were Academy. so good because they actually helped out. In fact, okay. A note on that: so the Navy made several aircraft from F-14 Fighter Squadron VF-55, uh, 51 Screaming Eagles, available for the film. So the Naval said, the Naval Academy said, "Hey, you guys want to borrow some of our planes to film in the air and do this?" So Paramount Pictures paid as much as $7,800 per hour for fuel and other operating costs whenever aircraft were flown outside their normal duties. Shots of the aircraft carrier sequences were filmed aboard the USS Enterprise, showing aircraft from F-14 squadrons, aardvarks, black lions, and uh, others. The majority of the carrier flight deck shots were of normal aircraft operations, and the film crew had to take what they could get save for the occasional flyby, which the film crew would request. Um, so they wound up paying just tens of thousands of dollars and just essentially like renting out these planes and pilots to film these scenes. Okay. So how does it make you guys feel that this is one of the greatest action movies of all time? It's also one of the greatest United States propaganda attempts and, and successful attempts of all time, too, to change the perception of the military. You feel duped? I had no, no it, that's awesome. Mm. No, that's <laughs> yeah, great. Like, Are you like kidding? That. That's great. I, no, I had no clue. That's really, really cool. Also, so, bomber jacket sales increased, and Ray-Ban <laughs> aviator sunglasses jumped 40% due to their use of uh, wow. by characters Aviators in the film here. not shock me. Yeah. The, so th- there had to be a ton of kids at that time who signed up to become pilots, right? Yeah, well, I mean, think about that. So Desert Storm, when, when did Desert Storm start? 91-ish. That was a 90s. So, so Desert Storm started like five, five years, years after, after this. That. You yeah. probably had a bunch of like 17, 16, 17, 15-year-old dudes that watched this movie in 1986. We had and guys like, at that, that were like, this is the greatest thing. Yeah. And wow, I had I didn't know that, though. That's a great deep dive. I love that fact. It's crazy. Um, so, it, so why didn't we, but to Dex's point, is there an explanation about why we didn't pick a bad guy? I th- I don't know. Do we just question. not care? I, yeah, I haven't. Just somebody. There might be an answer if somebody knows. You know, send us a tweet at Phil Mackey at Jay Zolgat at Dex's tweets. But my gut, just after reading all of the details about how the first mission was, well, it's two missions. One, let's make a kick-ass movie that makes three hundred fifty million at the box office and make people rich. And then the second mission is let's let's put the U.S. military and Naval Academy in a positive light. It's is it possible that they didn't want the movie to center around like taking out an opponent. Like there is no bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right, which we're going to get For the to, first time in right. in this exercise, there is no bad guy. Right, we will get to the bad guy rankings and figure out what to do, but I think they just wanted it to be about putting... Yeah, that makes sense. ...putting the military in a positive light. And when the movie ends, you know, you're you're kind of like, yeah, like, let's, let's go well, kick some all, ass. They're all let's jumping around this. the plane. They're all like, yeah, Hell yeah. <laughs> where's the cake and cookies? America. We won. I don't know what we won, but we won. My best friend is dead, but I, I'm back now. We're so, so, okay. So here's my, here's my, I don't know if this is, is a gripe, because I truly don't care, because this was candy, basically. So, like, this is not a breakdown film of where, oh, man, I can't believe this. Um. 
But I got a question for you guys. So Maverick, Tom Cruise, is this unbelievably cocky guy, right? Like beyond cocky. And in fact, perhaps the most cocky person individually that we will cover in this entire um, review of action films. All right. Unless we do Rocky three. Okay. Mr. T's up there, too. I do love it. Yes. Yeah, but he's sort of a bad guy. He's very much a bad guy. This is the good guy. Um, And so. It's like to be with a real man. And so, like, he's making all of these moves that are, as as Iceman says, reckless and dangerous and blah, blah, blah. All right. So, to summarize here quickly. He has to eject with his best pal from a plane that crashes through no fault of Mavericks. Like, the plane malfunctions. It's yeah. unfortunate. Yep. In ejecting and w- what transpires, Goose dies. All right. So let me get this straight. This unbelievably cocky pilot who does things that could kill people at any time does something that is totally not his fault and saves himself and his friend dies. And yet he is so upset about this, he almost quits flying. Yeah. I don't get that okay, one. I'll, and here's I, I already, why quickly. I, I, okay, I already explained this, but continue. So, so here's why I don't get that one. If he had killed him, I could see him changing his ways, but he didn't kill him. No, you're all right. Now, I'm not saying he shouldn't be upset about it. I am saying I don't think that would cause him to quit. Okay, so I explained earlier the difference between having true self-belief versus being over-the-top cocky and arrogant and covering up for deficiencies or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, nobody is that cocky without it being rooted in insecurity or some other issue. And so when you're when you're overcompensating for insecurity, which is what he's doing in this movie, you're you're ripe for something to throw you off your game. And that's how I interpreted it. That like he's putting on this front, but like deep down he's kind of lonely. He's wondering what happened to his dad. Like which Tom Scared tells him in like two seconds. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, he died, but he was good. Okay, thanks. He's great. And if you ever Feeling need a, better. if you need a wingman up there, I'll I'll come fly with <laughs> you. Right? Great, I love that scene because yeah. because that scene itself was so ultimately not satisfying. Yeah, but I loved it because it just is like okay, he he died. Uh, he was really good though. I think what you're seeing here. All right, this is the okay. de- this is the deepest we've ever gone into human psychology in action movie <laughs> one. Okay, let's go. I think what you're seeing throughout the movie is you're seeing a transition from false bravado and hollow confidence mm-hmm. to a man who kind of hits rock bottom because he was he didn't have a solid core of like support and self belief. It was all a front, and through his friend dying and through his relationship with Charlie, he starts to develop actual self belief and and starts to feel more whole, and then he operates from a place of actual self belief by the end of the movie. Wow, that's really deep for something that I thought this guy was, huh? was just a complete pretty good a hole. But yeah, pretty good. I this like is, this it. is Goose dying, by the way. Mayday, Mayday! Mav's in trouble. He's in a flat spin. He's heading out to sea. Altitude eight thousand, seven thousand. Six, where's six, Mav? Hit forward, Goose! I can't reach the ejection handle. Yeah. 
It's hard. Tugs at the heartstrings. Really yeah. didn't bother me one bit at all. It's so I funny. It's so funny. Tested. It's so funny that I was like, okay, get, get him out. Let's get Judd's a sociopath. Yeah. Get him out. That's why we love him. Yes. Get him out. Um, okay, the the end scene when we go when we finally get to the end scene and you've got the two en- the two enemy planes that turns into five enemy planes, which I'm wondering. All right, who's like who's in charge of like trying to spot like where the enemy is, and how do you underestimate by that much? God. So they they send they send Iceman up. They send uh, I think they sent two planes up, including Iceman, and then Maverick was on standby. Yes, it was Wolfman and Iceman that got sent up, or Wolf or whatever. And then Maverick was on standby, and Iceman was a little bit. He pulled the uh, instructor aside and was like, "I don't know, Maverick seems like he's kind of psyched out." It's nothing personal, sir. Yep, it's not personal. Is Maverick, the sir. right guy. And so Maverick Maverick gets called on to to go up and help, and he disengages at first out of sort of fear, and then he and then he then he looks at the dog tags of Goose, and he says, "Talk to me, Goose. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah. Talk to me, Goose." Which I mean, we all have time. At, you know, you guys are trying to shoot you down. You're going warp speed. We all have time to take a little bit of a look at our friends' dog tags, don't we? For sure, absolutely. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah. And then he goes into his Hulk Hogan comeback mode, or his Rocky Balboa comeback mode. Yes. Including slamming on his patented move, slamming on the brakes to let the enemy plane fly by, and then, boom, he gets a target. (laughs) What a genius move. You guys ever do that in the freeway when someone's riding your ass? Just move over, slam on the brakes, and then... And is that sh- just me? Then, and then shoot them down, <laughs> and then blow their car and then up. Pull out a missile, and then yeah. Blow them up, yeah. Of course yep. I do. Why not? Um, and then by the end, he gains he gains Iceman's respect, and uh, then we go into the love story and whatnot. Uh, so, what, what did you think about the way this movie ended? Would you have changed anything about the way this movie ended? No, because it was glorious that it was just done. Like it was all done so quickly. I, I just i I guess this is one film, much like the Seagal films. Where you know what you're getting into, and so you don't really have this, well, they should have done this, or, you know, I'm like, why didn't we see that? No, I thought it was absolutely fine. And and I also think that they just had, uh, it has to be done by then, we don't care how, we're, we're going to win a fictional battle against bad guys who we're not even going to tell you who the bad guy is. I thought it was absolutely fine. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I can change it. I think it works out really, really well. I like. I kind of think what would happen if Goose didn't die? Then hmm. how does the movie play out? Like th- does, but it's no good then because right. I think Goose has to die for Maverick to take steps forward. Mm-hmm. If Goose doesn't die, Maverick's just like still this cocky mm-hmm. a hole, right? Yeah, uh, the, the, it doesn't change. The, the sequel is coming out finally after thirty five years in early two thousand twenty one, uh, July of next year, according to what I read. Okay. Uh, Val Kilmer back, Tom Cruise back, I believe as an instructor. Did Val Kilmer get in shape for this? Kelly McGillis not back. Okay, she's not mm. coming back for it. That's too bad. I'm. My guess is no. My guess is he did not. I don't think he cares anymore. And you know what? God bless him for oh, that. Miles Teller is supposed to be in it. Jennifer Connelly. Wow, there's this. John Hamm. It's gonna be a great cast. John Hamm is going to John be. Hamm? Yes. Oh, oh, it's gonna be must see. Wow. I'll be there for it. I'm there I'm for it too, man. I'm, ready, I'm there man. for it too. Um, some amazing quotes in this movie. Oh, son. Your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. <laughs> this is what I call a target-rich environment, walking into a bar with several women. Yes. It's a great one. Yes. You live your life between your legs, Mav. It's another one. That's a good one. Yep. On the first date, I crashed and burned. We heard that one. Uh, I, I did like when Iceman finally says, you can be my wingman anytime. BS, we already played that clip. Um, and then I got a little bit, I got a little bit uh, of the feels when Viper told Maverick, if you don't have a partner... I'll fly with you. He wound up not flying with him, I don't think. But no, he did. It's a good gesture. 
What else? What else from this movie before we get to the? the I would like to see. So, I would like to see because I think it would be perfect. Dex grow the goose uh, mustache. I mean, if I if you I could work grow it, that mustache, I, can, I I shave like every third day because I can only just grow let whiskers, it grow, though, dude. It, it it looks horrible. No, it, but that's the point. Is my goose look terrible too? That's that's, that's the point. Little mustache. Yeah, that, but that's what I want. Yeah. I, I I have to shave. I no, but I, come on, man! You love goose. Do it for goose. I love goose. I love Anthony Edwards, but I, I Anthony can't do Edwards, Doctor Green on ER. That, that's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. With my mom, man, I used to watch it all. Bald the time. by then, though, at least. Is, yes. that, is, is Anthony Edwards more famous for ER or for Top Gun? I think for probably, ER. probably ER. I think for ER, to be completely honest. And they killed him on that too. Yep. Brain tumor on that one. Yeah, that's spoiler a, alert. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Okay, after you haven't 20, seen that show from twenty years. Twenty years ago. I'm sorry. I'd like <laughs> to apologize. Hits me in the feels. <laughs> All right, uh, the definitive. Well, actually, just real quick, who is your favorite character in this movie? Dex said Goose. You know what? I'm going to go with Tom Skerritt, Viper. Okay, I love because he he had a very small role, but he is a he's great. He is a no BS actor, and like his role was small, but the importance of the character was actually large. Sure, I thought he was incredibly effective in in what was probably. A day of shooting, you think? A couple days of shooting? Like, there could have been that, that much that he actually had to do. Yeah. I'm going to say Iceman, mostly because of that thing he did with his teeth halfway through the movie. You guys remember that? Where he gets in yeah, he I gets can't. in Maverick's face and he goes, I have new teeth and I can't do it. He goes, yeah. Yeah. Freaks me out. Yeah. So you bring up a point, and I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed this or not. Did we get more teeth shots than we ordinarily do? <laughs> like Tom Cruise had beautiful teeth. He does. Kilmer had great teeth. It felt but it, Charlie great teeth. Yeah, Charlie but it, good teeth. but it but it felt like there were actually camera shots where they said open your mouth as wide as possible because oh. we want to focus on your teeth. Like yeah. I just felt like there were teeth shots. Uh, I mean, it might be. I guess me. I'd have to go back and and see. I felt like we got Cruise's teeth a lot, and they're good teeth. I'm going through Val Kilmer's IMDb page here just to Oof. see, like, what has he done? He's great. He's actually done a lot he's, more recently than I would have thought. He's crazy, but he's really, really good. So so his run there for a while, this was only the third movie he was ever in. His first movie was Top Secret in 1984, Real Genius. I remember Real Genius, yeah. <laughs> he was in Willow, that sort of fantasy land movie from 1988. That, uh, that one I don't remember. He played Jim Morrison in The Doors yeah. in 1991. That was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tombstone. He was Doc Holliday. That's right. He also played Elvis in True Romance in 1993. Batman Forever. Then 1995. He was in Heat. He had, man, he had a run. Mm-hmm. Oh he yeah, he was huge, him, huge box office star. And then, uh, then he got fat. He did much, put right? on some pounds. Can we yeah. back off of him for that? He gained some weight. I mean, okay, that happens. Perhaps there was a pandemic that we forgot about. Maybe in 1999. Um, all right. It was the late 90s. There could have been a lot of things. Dude. The definitive bad guy rankings. All right. So before we dive into this, because this is complicated, um, Hans Gruber <laughs> from Die Hard, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon are the top five. The bottom five are the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, and Sloan from Wanted. There really is no bad guy in this movie. So do we come up with some other bad guy? Like, is there... No. Like, who? who is the antagonist, or what is the antagonist in this movie? Is it... It's not Iceman. 
I almost feel like it's Maverick. Well, it's him against it's like himself. Maverick's battle against oh, himself. But that's not a bad guy. I, I Maverick's think, dark I think it's side. A va- vacated title. I it, just don't think there is one. So it's either not applicable or it's Maverick's, I don't think it's it's Maverick's dark like, side. Yeah, but I mean. The bogeys. We don't know who the bogeys are. No, that's the point. I would prefer that we vacate the title on this one because there's just no bad guy. Wow. Like Mav's dark side is, yeah, but I mean, that's. All right. Is I that guess, bad guy? I guess, um, I guess for the first time, this is an unprecedented moment in action movie rewind. There's just no. But bad I mean, guy. think about this, guys. This film, rightfully so, made millions upon millions of dollars with no bad guy. Think about that. Like, everything has a bad guy. No, that's not true. There's a lot of, like, self-struggle movies out there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying every movie that is in the genre of what we're doing on this has a bad guy. We've tortured Russians after we liked them into being bad guys in different films. Yeah. But this movie's better because there wasn't a bad guy. I think it's better because Tom Cruise was just fighting Tom Cruise. Propaganda. Yeah. Yep. That propaganda thing to me, I had no clue. That is so intriguing. Yeah. It actually makes you wonder, like, what other movies are propaganda? <laughs> so how mm. how does that work then? Rocky so, Four was probably propaganda. So, so do you start to write that film and involve the military, and they're like, hey, this could help us, or do they get involved? I think I had read that the military approached, like, a movie studio or had approached Bruckheimer or something. Like, wow. That that, that it was initiated by That's the evil genius almost yeah. in some ways. I and love said, that. And, said, and uh, come up with a soundtrack and like just make people love us. All right, cool. What's our budget? Uh, Fifteen million. And we'll give you some planes, I guess. Um, <laughs> the one through ten Seagal rating system. So the best movies we have reviewed so far: Die Hard, John Wick. Die Hard is the only ten. John Wick nine point three. Commando nine point two. The Fast and the Furious eight point eight. The Expendables, 8.8. Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, Rocky Four, Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Point Break also at an 8 or above. At the bottom, Bloodsport, Wanted, Rambo 3, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Air Force 1, and 48 Hours. And there's a bunch in the middle, too. Air Force 1, just, I still don't have, how do we do that? And our criteria here is, I feel like we botched that one. Our criteria is sort of, like, how iconic is the movie, um, how... There's got to be a combination of it. It has to be a little bit campy and corny. It can't just be like an amazing movie. There's got to be enough of a corny factor. So uh, what would you guys say? Top Gun, 1 through 10, Seagal ranking system. I'll go 7. I think it's a solid 7. Whoa, dude. That's, yeah. That, that's low. What? That's I think low. it's a, the, uh, no, 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 a I, 7. I think it's a 7. Oh, yeah. The lack of the bad guy. I think oh, does hurt no. it. It's a good what movie. Are you doing? It's a seven out of ten. It's not bad. It's a seven. I love when Mackie gives you the "What are you doing?" Are you that means you really bleeped up. What? It's just a seven. It, it's it's a fine movie. It's well paced. Oh. It's a seven. Dex, you're not considering think... the time. You're not considering the time period. We got tricked by the military. Give him credit for it's that. Seven. It's a seven. All right. Okay. You guys can go higher. I, I, it's a ten. It's a okay. ten. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I'm this, not. In fact, if I could, give I'm not it, going ten. If I could give it a rating above. I, I regret giving Die Hard a 10. I should have reserved a 10 for this movie. This is the best action oh, movie no, we all no, know. No, 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 you were no. right. You were no, right. No, it's a 10. Uh-uh, no. uh-uh. It is a 9 for me. Okay. It, it, it's a 9. It's a very solid 9. And I do I do praise the, the fact that I'm giving a 9 to a film that, as, De- as Dex said, did not have a bad guy, which to me, I would have never thought that I would praise a film that had MiGs, and I don't know who was flying the MiGs, but I'm giving it an incredibly solid 9. For the time period, the soundtrack, 
lot to like. It's a seven. All right. All right. So well, I mean, that's fine. That's so, how this works. Okay. So, so with that, it is an eight point seven composite score, which leaves it outside the top five. So Die Hard, John Wick, Commando, Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, and then Top Gun rated sixth for us in action movie rewind. So all right, a little asterisk by the. I thought Dex no, would have started at an eight. We have our own opinions. I thought it's Dex would have started at an eight. I'm actually more disappointed that Bloodsport is still last. Oh, than it I should. Am it, the top Phil, it was crap. It was the fact. The fact that this. Feature survived well, it had, it, it had a bad that guy. What do you being mean? its first film is a miracle. Oh, it had a bad guy. I don't know what you it, want. You guys oh. want bad guys? You can't. You guys can't guys. watch. You guys can't watch a movie unless there's a bad guy. Well, I need well, a bad action movie. movie. No, no. who the yeah. man? No, no. no, I'm saying I'm praising Top Gun. It didn't have a bad guy, and I still gave it a nine. Who the boogeyman? I still gave it a nine. <laughs> All right. Do you know what that film? That film was begging for. That film was begging for Keanu Reeves. He was just a little bit too young, probably yep, at the time. Top Gun, little young. Yes, yeah, so he would have been great oh in God. Top Gun. Can you imagine if he was the Wolf or Wolfman or whatever? Like, but he would have been perfect, right? Yeah, like the ice cold stairs. I would have been there for it. Hey, you're not a good guy. I don't like you. What about what about Dolph Lundgren as like another country's airman? <laughs> oh, then then <laughs> Dex gives it a ten. Then, huh? You see that it gets a ten from Declan. So, wait, so it would have been Russian. So Dex, let me just get this straight. Okay, <laughs> so what you're saying is if if they had shown even for ten seconds Dolph Lundgren flying. Flying an enemy MIG. Ten. You would have given this an eight or a nine or a ten. One hundred percent. I just no question about that. This, he's not mincing words. Like Dex is not confused as to why this did not get a ten. Oh, that's amazing. All right. So uh, so that's Dolph that's Lundgren. Top Gun. That's the first time that Dex and I have ever watched Top Gun, and I believe it's Declan's turn to pick mm-hmm. the next action movie here. All right. So we are going to stick in the eighties. Love it. We are going to go with a, a a Goff family classic, and I'm actually really kicking myself that I, I didn't pick this earlier. It's technically a sequel. We have not reviewed the original, but I, I think it. I think the second one plays more into what we want to do here on Action Movie Rewind. So we are going to go to 1981, runtime in 96 minutes. We're going with Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Wow. Mad Max 2. I have never seen any of these Mad Max Really? Movies. The Road Warrior? The Road Warrior. I, you don't have to see the first one I really to, to get the second one. And if, and if you really want to, I can give you the quick like, analysis of what the first one is. But it really has nothing to do with too much of the second one. How about we, we can do our own homework on the first one. Uh, if we, I might watch the first one just to get a feel for it. Okay. But um, and, and that one's also like ninety minutes, so both of okay. them are, are are quick. Mad Max Two: The Mel Road Gibson. Warrior for next week. That's early Mel Gibson right yeah. there. Eighty one. Okay, cool. 81. Awesome. Ninety six minutes. Nice. All right there it is. You. You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. Oh, you can be mine. Patrick Royce, we wrap with Royce every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on Mackie and Judd. You can also find Royce Unchained in podcast form on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. So, Pat, this is, I know, one of the biggest fights you and I ever had on our old show, Royce and Mackie, was when they instituted the new wild card that's been in play for like six years. And so now they have eight playoff teams going, going into the final three days of the regular season. In the National League, only four teams have clinched a playoff spot. There are eight teams alive with four spots available. So buckle up in the National League this weekend, everybody. You think it'll be that way over a 162-game season instead of a 60-game no, season? No, absolutely not. It will not. I, I can accept it with this, with this 
weird season we're having, 60 games. But you can't play 162 games and eliminate less than 50% of your teams and think that people should go buy tickets to regular season games. You're going to have 14 people showing up in September if I can do anything to prevent them from going. I will write anything I can saying, don't go to a game. They're ripping you off. They're thieves. We mean you. You don't think, but what the, you got the Colorado Rockies are twenty five and thirty one, and they still have mathematical hope going into the final yeah, week of the season. Yeah. Okay, that's fine with a sixty game season, and we don't know because you know over a sixty game season, basically you're not going to have a legitimate winner anyway. So uh, you, you know we might as well turn it into a tournament and then see you know a, a, a NHL type uh, uh, playoff because it's NHL type and NBA type because in NBA the best team wins because you play to a hundred, but in baseball and uh, and hockey you can uh, you know whoever best of three anybody can win it. So uh, I don't have a you know fine whatever we're going to do to the pandemic uh, that that's fine I don't care. But, uh, you know, I, I don't like the rosters that are this top-heavy with pitchers. Uh, and, you know, I don't like the fact, the fact nobody's hitting. But uh, we got to accept what we got here this year. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's kind of fun now to try to figure out who you're going to play at the end of the season. But I would think that uh, over a 162-game schedule, they would spread themselves out even more. And instead of having that nice fight, for the last uh, playoff spot, you would have, uh, you know, some team 73 and 89 fighting for a playoff spot, and I cannot accept that. If you're the so, Twins, who do you want then, Pat, starting Tuesday? Well, I thought I wanted Houston until they got 12 hits and 10 runs off Lance Lynn and five innings last <laughs> night, and everybody they had got hits. I mean, Breckman had a great game, and he's had a bad year, and... Uh, you know, if Houston, that's the trouble with this. You know, a week ago, who didn't you want? I hope we don't see those White Sox again, damn it. And since then, they're, uh, what, one and six. And, uh, you know, the Cubs, you go there, you see them pitch on Friday, and you say, oh, man, they haven't had a hit since. They just lost three out of four to Pittsburgh. In this, you know, goofy season, you don't know who you want. You know, the only thing I know that I didn't want was the Yankees at in the Bronx. That can happen now, so it's it's been a good week. No matter what happens, you don't have to play the Yankees in the Bronx. So that's that's okay. But I I don't know. I'm not excited about playing Cleveland and having to win game one against Shane Bieber, are you? Uh no, that's that's the one like of all the possibilities, I would just prefer to avoid that. And it looks like there's a maybe even a better chance if, if the twins if the Twins win the division, there might even be a better chance that the Twins play Chicago as the seventh seed if they keep yeah, slipping oh yeah. this weekend. Yeah, they're only what I don't know the Cleveland White Sox tiebreaker. I don't know what that is, but they're only one game behind them. The White Sox go play the play the club, Cubs, and remember a week ago that was a World Series preview. They were saying, "What happens if you get a Cubs White Sox World Series and?" Played in Texas. Yeah, I heard him talking about that. I don't think we got to worry about it. The one team can't hit, and I don't know what happened to the way he just went to take. So uh, they choked. It, it's well, there it, it was not much to choke about. I, I mean, they were even. I, I don't know what happened to them. They just, they just. But uh, 
Uh, issue number one for the Twins this weekend, you know, they've been so much better at Target Field for no reason. You know, you want them to be at home, but they got to start hitting. They, you know, they cannot, you know, you, you cannot run a lineup out there as pathetic as they've been uh, hitting and, uh, and expect to do anything. They, they got to start hitting. They got to get Cruz back. Sano's got to, you know, been sent in for electric shock therapy or something and uh, get, you know, a little, a little bit. I mean, you can't, this lineup is God awful. And uh, they got to, uh, you know, Kepler's showed a little sign of life. And, uh, you know, you look at this lineup now, you're not even upset when Jake Cave's in it anymore. Hey, hey, good. Jake's coming up. He's got a better chance than 80% of these butts. So, uh, you know, they, they got to start hitting. You know, it's not going to last long. And I also think the guy that's pitching tonight has got to be, you know, He's got to be an ace, and I'm not saying a Verlander ace or a Garrett Cole ace, but he's got to be. Rios has got to give you six innings and two runs. Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be capable of doing that. And Pat, you know, on that front, like if not now for him, when? Like, like the time is now for him to do that. He's not 21 years old anymore. No, and uh, he should not be the nervous. The nervous, obviously easily rattled guy who's uh, all of a sudden becomes a, at times becomes a shirt version of Kyle Gibson and won't challenge anybody. And uh, they, uh, you know, I think part of the problem with all of them though is in the modern pitching. Uh, you know, in modern pitching, everything that gets hit is a mistake, right? You got to you got to pitch around every. In the idea of throwing it over and somebody might hit it, and that's okay, is is gone. They, uh, you know, they, they want these guys to challenge guys, but not throw any bad pitches. <laughs> you know, not throw any. They want you to challenge guys, throw it in the strike zone, but don't give up any doubles. You know, I mean, it's uh, they, they they have they have put so much pressure on these guys. Uh, I think to make the perfect pitch, and then we got to take 25 seconds to figure out what's the next pitch going to be. That's the one thing Romo's got going for him. He doesn't have to think what his next pitch is going to be. He just throws <laughs> the slider. But uh, I don't know. They uh, the whole approach to pitching, I think, is kind of blowing Barrios's mind. He's so worried about throwing a bad pitch that he just doesn't throw it over. So he's been pretty good lately, though, which. Uh, you know, they really need that badly. I, I have no problem with the Jap. I mean, the Japanese. Uh, my eight is fine, and uh, and Pineda. I think Pineda will give you a five and a third, don't you? Oh yeah, yes, he definitely yeah. can. He'll throw it over. He's he's good. So they they're going in with what? When's the last time they went in with three starters? This good. You know, the, and not yeah. this good, but that you could have this much confidence. Yeah, not. It's been a long time. Hey, uh, do yeah. do you put? Rich Hill in the bullpen in that first round, or do you not have him on the roster in that first round? I don't know. Does he have to warm up for an hour? That's what, That's what we've been talking about. I, I, I get, him, get him in the bullpen. An hour and a half. Stretch out at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Start him at 9 yeah. in the morning and tell him he's going to come in the 6th. No, nah, I don't. You know, I suppose it would hurt his feelings, but, uh, you know, I don't think I have Oda Rizzi or him on the uh, – huh. On for uh, this uh, for this round, do you? 
I, I suppose isn't I, who's going to pitch Sunday, Homer, or they're going to start out of Rizzi, right? Uh, Hill is scheduled to start the oh, last Hill I is, saw, but I don't know he's going to. He's just on I the you, uh, list. I, I bet you. I bet you see all three of those guys on Sunday, right? Bailey, yeah. and Odorizzi. But Maybe. this idea that Jake Odorizzi is going to break him out sometime—I I wouldn't have Odorizzi or Hill on. I just have some of these other arms. You know who could be the savior? The way he's pitched the last three, four times, Cody Stashak. He's been that. He's given them that uh, other arm in the bullpen that uh, they've been missing all year. Sometimes they've been missing the main arm in the bullpen too. Yeah. I don't know what's our fright level about Taylor Rogers. Mine is very high. In fact, I even told these guys this week I actually trust Jorge Alcala in those situations more <laughs> than I trust Taylor Rogers yeah. right now. And maybe you know, like I think if we can just acknowledge for whatever the reason, whether it's just a weird year. Uh, Taylor Rogers is just a lot more hittable this year than he's been the last couple of years. And so, like again, feelings don't have to matter here. This is all about winning a World Series. And if it means that he has to move to a different spot in the pecking order and face lefties or something, like, like I don't think they should cling to Taylor Rogers in these high-pressure spots because that's the way they've done it the last couple of years if he's just more hittable, Pat. And I don't think it's metal with him because I, I think he's probably still got some confidence in himself, but he's not throwing good pitches. That's, you know, that the, the slider isn't biting. The other night when Miguel comes up, uh, Cabrera, and you're saying, okay, these dummies are going to pitch to him. Uh, don't throw him anything that he can hit the right field, right? You know he just wants to do – he's been chilling him until the other night when he had two long home runs, though, the, uh, you know, to, to his power side. But uh, you, you come up and you say, okay, you got to put it on his fist. Because otherwise he's just going to serve at the right field, and Rogers throws him a pitch in the middle of the plate. And he hits at the right field, so I don't know. It's, it's just it's it's not only location, though. There's that no matter what people are saying, there's not as much life on that slider. Yeah, I, yeah. I know it just doesn't have the bite on it. So, meanwhile, the last week has been fantastic for these guys <laughs> with the Yankees going. Yep. Here's a, here's a great stat for you guys. Uh, the second tiebreaker, the Twins and the Yankees now end up with the same American League record, 23 and 17, right? So you have to go because the Yankees lost three out of four to Toronto. So now you have to go to the next tiebreaker. The next tiebreaker is the last 20 games in the American <laughs> League. You just know that yes. the next tiebreaker. Yes. The Twins are 12 and 8 in the last 20. The Yankees are eleven and nine in the last twenty with a ten game winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> They're eleven and nine, and in that period, they had a ten game winning streak. That's amazing. That's mathematically impossible. That is amazing. Uh, well, Pat, it'll be it'll be fun. The next time we talk to you, we will be talking about whoever the Twins are playing in the actual playoffs. So, and I got I want to mention one one thing. I was surprised to see Mark Craig, the wise old owl who gave us both uh, Green Bay and Indianapolis as wins over the uh, Vikings, has picked the Vikings to win on Sunday. Yep. And he's not a homer. He never does. But he usually uh, breaks it down pretty good. So maybe the boys won't go out and embarrass themselves. Well, if there is going to be any sort of a pulse, they, they'll win this game on Sunday. like With no cornerbacks, basically. Yeah. Good luck with that. 
All right. All right, Pat. See, you, see you next week, man. Yeah. All right, that's Patrick Royce, the legendary Patrick Royce, uh, friend of the show here. And um, Vikings Ventline is going to be win or lose, rocking and rolling on Scornar Twitter, Facebook, and also YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast right after that game is over on Sunday. What do you think Chancey's calling from? This week we had a we had a horse carriage. We I'm gonna a say horse. a hot tub. I think he'll be in a hot tub. Do you think he's at home or traveling Bob? again? I need Bob. I want to hear Bob. But he could be traveling. Could be yeah, traveling. we gotta get Bob. Bob in a hot tub with the visual would be the next oh, step. Bob right. might be really really down though. <laughs> I mean, Bob Bob takes winds hard sometimes. Yep. If the wind doesn't come the right way, Bob in Pennsylvania. If you're listening, please send us a note. Email us at vikingsventline at gmail.com. We, we want you on the show from the hot tub. All right, that sounded creepy. We'll see you guys later. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.